0: Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.
2: This 10th year of Daily Tech News Show is made possible by you, the listener. Thanks to all of you, including Pat, DeGraccia, Daniels, and Erwin Stirr. Coming up on DTS: AARP says gamers over 50 should be taken seriously, so we gathered some old people in Vegas to talk about it. (laughs) Plus, Be Real is letting you be slightly less real, as long as you're real at least once on time. We'll explain. This is the Daily Tech News Show for Monday, April 24th, 2023, live in Las Vegas, Nevada. I'm Tom Merritt.
3: From the mouth of the Cuyahoga River, I'm Rich Straffolino. I'm Early, and I'm Scott Johnson.
2: (laughs) And uh, who are you?
3: and i'm uh, I'm roger the show's producer
2: <laughs> we also have with us brian ibbett host of the long-running music podcast coverville co-host of the morning stream philb and soundography brian ibbett welcome
4: thank you for having me it's great to be here
2: and if you hear bumps thumps echoes and people saying things in the background it's because we're live with an audience in las vegas hello everyone <clears throat> <laughs> yeah it's live it's really live <laughs> Uh, Folks, the latest update to Google Authenticator adds a new app logo and support for syncing two-factor codes with a Google account. Let's start with the rest of the Quick Hits. The financial Times sources say six months ago, Arm began work on a prototype chip based on its designs. The team making the chip is reportedly led by the former designer of Qualcomm's Snapdragon chips, Kavork Ketchichan. The team is also helping create performance and security improvements. However, it does not appear that Arm plans to sell the chip itself. Instead, they're using it just as a prototype to show customers what Arm designs can do.
1: You know, when we talk about Netflix earnings and subscribers, it can be kind of easy to overlook the fact that the service is still extraordinarily popular. To that point, Bloomberg passed on some U.S. TV viewing data from Nielsen and found some interesting findings. Uh, Netflix accounts for seven to eight percent of all TV viewing in the U.S. every month in 2023. You may say, okay, seven to eight percent. What does that mean? Well, YouTube is the only other service that passes 4% 4% in viewing time, with people watching Netflix more than Hulu, HBO Max, and Disney Plus combined. Netflix also accounted for seventy to eighty percent of the ten most watched shows every single week. Now competitors have uh, eaten into some of Netflix's dominance when we're talking about acquired content. And we're talking about like maybe some uh, some older TV shows uh, that used to be on Netflix, maybe are on other services. Netflix still though does account for fifty to seventy five percent of watch time in that category most weeks. That is down from like one hundred. So interesting to note that. In terms of subscribers, Paramount Plus actually the fastest growing streaming service this year, adding seven and a. Half million subscribers between January and March. Netflix, in comparison, added 1.75 million.
2: Yeah. So in summary, lots of people still watch Netflix. <laughs> turns out. Yeah. Uh, the U.S. Supreme Court has agreed to hear two cases regarding whether elected officials are allowed to block their constituents on social networks. So it, just the people who had voted them into office. Can you block the electorate? In California, two people filed a case when two members of the Poe Unified School District near San Diego blocked them on Facebook and Twitter. Now, they were making repeated posts, sometimes, you know, 40 of the same posts. and they were criticizing the school board members on issues of budgeting and how race is handled. In Michigan, a person filed a case when the city manager blocked him for his criticisms regarding the handling of the pandemic. Lower courts in California ruled in favor of the people in the school board case, as both school board members used their social media accounts in an official role. The Michigan case ruled that the city manager of Port Huron was not acting in his official role when he blocked the person on Facebook. So they ruled in his favor. So we got a split decision here. Generally, courts have ruled that if an account is being operated in an official capacity, it cannot block non-harassing or non-threatening accounts. No previous cases, however, have been heard by the Supreme Court. There was one against the President that they just decided not to hear. They said it was moot. The court also declined to hear an appeal from computer scientist Stephen Thaler. You may remember that's the one he filed against the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office when they declined to issue him a patent. Well, not issue him a patent, issue a patent to an AI that he created saying that the patent could only be issued to human inventors. So they will hear the cases about blocking uh, people in your electorate. They will not hear the one about giving an AI a patent.
1: Well, one of the most visible signs of the recent wave of big tech austerity and cost cutting has mostly been around job cuts. I mean, we've definitely talked about them on this show, and they've been impacting most of the tech industry. We're also seeing this impacting, though, real estate development. CNBC reports that Google paused construction on its 80-acre downtown west campus in San Jose, California. Google planned for the space to offer a lot of stuff, 7.3 million square feet of offices, 4,000 housing units, 50,000 square feet of retail and cultural space, and 15 acres of parks. Of course, San Jose Mayor Matt Mahan characterized this as Google reassessing the timeline for downtown West, not canceling it. We are not talking about canceling it. That's according to the mayor, but he provided no revised timeline for construction.
2: I'm not talking about that either. Uh, The U.S. Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals affirmed most of a 2021 lower court ruling that Apple's app store policies did not violate antitrust law by barring third-party app stores. So Apple won the second round. It upheld a lower court ruling in favor of Epic Games within the scope of California's unfair competition law. Epic had won that small part of it, so that stayed. Basically, what happened in the lower court stayed unchanged. Apple changed policies after that first court ruling to allow out-of-app communications, basically, you can admit there are payment alternatives on the web uh, it also lets reader apps like books photos news video etc point users to the web to make payments uh, epic games began this case in 2020 it's now uh, in their court so to speak on what to do that and that is a look at the quickets All right, Canadian musician Grimes said on Twitter Sunday, I'll split 50% royalties on any successful AI-generated song that uses my voice. Same deal as I would with any artist I collaborate with. Feel free to use my voice without penalty. I have no label and no legal bindings. Uh, This is in part to reaction to that Drake Weekend fake that came out last week. Uh, The Verge notes that experimental musician Holly Herndon has previously introduced her own artificial voice called Holly Plus, she introduced that back in 2021. Anybody can upload an audio file and get it converted into a version sung by Holly. Members of her DAO, that's a a cryptocurrency thing, can actually make money off them. And of course, if you didn't already hear about that track that I was mentioning, uh, Drake and the Weekend, Universal Music Group has threatened to crack down on those, although it is varied in how it has cracked down on those. So it's interesting to see different artists taking different tactics on this technology. Ibit. Yeah, You have a lot of experience with music rights and being able to play covers on Coverville and I such. I do, you yeah. Have, I've, I've
4: heard of music rights and stuff. So yeah. what I what I like about what uh, Grimes is doing is not only she's you know making this great offer of saying, yeah, I'll split the royalties with you. She's kind of saying – she's drawing a line in the sand that says, if you use my voice, I want 50% of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's, it's kind of – a nice way of it's saying It's a very that. nice way. It's kind of like a little hidden way of saying that she liked to do that. Yeah. Um, do I want to hear, you know, a new John Lennon song, you know, with the AI? Do I want to hear, you know, artists have passed with um, uh, songs that were using AI to recreate their voice, recreate their sound? I think, I think I just know in my head that it's fake and I'd be just disappointed by the whole thing. As curious as I would be to hear the results, it would leave me feeling a little, you know, empty inside.
3: hundred percent agree with that. There's an artificiality to it that I don't think I could, I could get with, but
2: even with living artists. Right? Yeah, with living it, it artists, a it gets interesting, different. right? Because
3: yeah. mm-hmm. her saying, use my voice, I get 50%, you get 50%. She's basically saying, uh, yeah, go for it, and, and and we'll work together. Something about that is really interesting. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's because she's alive and can make this decision, yeah. or that she's label-less and can make this decision, because a lot of labeled artists aren't going to be able to do this, and not right away, until labels embrace the idea. But... I kind of like that because I want to hear what the collaboration ends up being. If it's even truly can be defined as a collaboration. I'm not sure you can even do that because if they're going to do it without really her knowledge just pay her for the 50%.
2: Well, they'd ha- that she'd have to have knowledge to pay. I guess she would, yeah. right? But is it a my true definition.
3: collaboration, like a creative collaboration? I think what
2: she's saying is, with a, with a collaboration, I pay fifty percent. So if you do this, I'll also pay fifty percent. Mm. She's not trying to say it's a collaboration. Yeah. And, uh,
3: how about living artists? Uh, I was just saying,
4: with yeah, with living artists, do they have to provide kind of a brand guideline, like these are words I will not say in my songs? So if you use AI to use to right. use any of these words or phrases or
1: chill Walmart or something, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's actually Ibb, you brought up a great point when you mentioned the word brand, because this is what it got me thinking of is that, you know, we, we, we you know, in the early 2000s, we saw music going from like product to service. And this is almost like musician, like like very literally becoming a brand where it's like they're not even involved in this. It's like the the brand of their likeness is being used by an A.I. to create that. And and like I think that's. So it, it makes sense for someone as kind of, you know, Grimes likes to try a lot of future facing kind of things to kind of be ahead of the curve on this. And it's also interesting that she's saying that this she, this is not like a situation where if you're uploading this to your SoundCloud and it gets 10 listens like she wants 50 percent of whatever, you, you know, the for the 99 cents you sell it for whatever, you know, whatever the case mm-hmm. may be. She's basically like if I hear about it and it's my voice, then I want the 50 percent. But only if it's going like huge. It's not like. Which makes it very murky. It probably even needlessly murky at that point. But I thought that was an
2: interesting. Well, but it's all being defined like- right now. That's right. Mm, yeah, That's yeah. I mean. mm-hmm.
3: That's it's gonna get it'll, it'll get weird before it gets settled. But uh, and by weird, I just mean somebody doing three TikToks with a song they kind of collaborated with in their own head and didn't really do much else and got very few views. No one's gonna notice it. It's not gonna really go viral, or maybe it will. But it, the potential's lower. But when you go big, then you have to start asking questions. You have to start deciding. Well, wait. Okay, so you do get 50%. But I said these words. Are those the wrong words? Do we take those out now? Like, at what point do you negotiate? It just seems...
2: Well, yeah, we're making up the rules now. Like, Is this more like a sample where the artist has control? They can choose not to let you sample. They can say, well, if you sample, you have to pay me X amount, and it can vary. Mm -hmm. Or is this something that is more like a collaboration?
4: And at which point does the person who uses the AI have to reach out to the artist and say here's what I've created before I go, you know, put it up online. Right. Some artists will any, that. will yeah. anybody do that is the question.
3: Well, you know, and will, Also will, AI people. Why? What's to stop them from AI people, people <laughs> that want to work with AI to generate music. What if their goal is just to do something in this style of grimes or in mm-hmm. this style of, mm-hmm. I don't know, Eminem mm-hmm. or something. And they do that. In the way that, say, uh, the Gallagher brothers sounded a lot like the Beatles. Mm, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Nobody, right. everyone said, "Hey, they sound like the Beatles," but nobody was saying, "The Beatles, you're gonna owe them money or whatever." Will right. that still hold here? Right. You know. Right. So I got a lot of questions about that.
2: It's, it's one thing when I intentionally say, "Yes, I was in fact imitating Drake." Uh, right. I was. This AI mm-hmm. was trained on Drake songs. It's meant to say Drake. It's right. another thing if you don't admit that you mm-hmm. say it's Drake I try to say like, "Oh no, I don't know why it ended up sounding like Drake." Yeah. Right. Right.
3: right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah complicated
1: <laughs> well another thing that's complicated is social networks that's something be real is finding out you know earlier this month we're kind of are talking about you know maybe the bloom is off the rose for be real people kind of getting sick of authenticity so tom i'm i'm curious you've been using the platform have you seen any issues with your feed personally
2: i've been using the platform for more than a year now uh and uh if, if anybody doesn't know be real it's it's an attempt to be authentic so you get a prompt you have two minutes to post If you don't post within the two minutes, you can still post. You just won't be able to see anybody else's posts until you've posted. So the idea is you want to capture what's happening authentically, not stage something. So if you post right with the notification, you're playing by the rules. But it is going to end up being a lot of people looking at their laptop, like (laughs) just in reality, because that's what a lot of people are doing most days. If you wait to post, it might be more interesting, but it's less authentic. Uh, So. I think that turns some people off wanting to post, or it causes some people to not play by the rules and always delay their post. So they've been coming up with inducements to get you to play by the rules and post right away to keep the spirit of Be Real. They added Spotify and Apple Music integration uh, to share what you've been listening to, for example. And Rich, they added something else now, too.
1: Yeah, they're trying out this pilot for something called Bonus Be uh, at least in the UK. And they're trying to like split the difference here, kind of give you the best of both worlds. If you post within that two minute window, you get the notification, you post within that two minutes, you get two other uploads that you can do that day, like at any time. They'll just go into your feed, they'll do the front and back camera kind of thing. You get two of those. If you miss it though, you still get a bonus, but it's only one. So there's like a little bit of an incentive, but you're not like really punished there. So it's an interesting idea. So, you know, Ibit, I'm curious, would this make you kind of look at and post more on B Rail?
4: It, it actually probably made me come back to Be Real. So I first heard about Be Real almost exactly a year ago from Tom here in the plaza, oh, <laughs> showing yeah, it to me yeah, in, yeah. in the Same bar downstairs. Way. And so I started going I, Some somewhere along the line, six months in, eight months in, I fell off the Be Real wagon. Um, but this might actually make me come back because I'm curious, you know, about seeing, yeah, you know, I'm seeing a lot of people in GarageBand or in, in, um, o- Adobe Audition editing stuff. I happen to follow and share with a lot of podcasters, so I see a lot of that stuff. But then getting to see maybe a picture of them hanging out with their dog or, or outside going for a walk when they, when they actually have something kind of interesting, it would give some sort of, um, frosting to the, the cake of the, the original be real the here we go it's going to be a generic pound cake me working on a computer but now oh it's frosting you're taking the dog out for a while
3: mm, yeah so that's interesting like- It'd be gamified a little bit might not hurt my mm-hmm. whole thing almost exactly like you it was last year i heard about it it was you who told us about it mm-hmm. and i used it for about six seven eight months something like that and then this started happening it would say um take a picture of what you're doing and i would do that and then it would say show us you on the selfie cam and i'd go <laughs> no, like, I
4: don't I want aim it to it in a wall somewhere. And this I doesn't start... fix that. Though. No, it doesn't yeah, fix yeah.
3: that at all. And so I wonder how much more I would use it because what often would happen is the times it wanted me or would prompt me to do it, it's like I just got up, my hair's a mess, or I just feel gross, or I just don't want it to be like looking at my camera like, you know, a big dope. Mm-hmm. And so I quit using it in that. Way And I think that was the spirit of the thing. The spirit of the thing is to be real, you know. But I felt like eh, sometimes I don't want to be real. Sometimes I just want to point that at the wall and that's my face and that's as good as you're going to get. And they even scold you on there for it. They'll say, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, they'll yeah. say, by yeah. the way, we really like seeing your face. I'm like, well, yeah. too bad you're too looking bad. at the wall.
2: Where is everyone? Is right. Right.
3: I'm is. with Brian though. I think these are these are interesting ways yeah. to, to dig up interest tonight. My I my question be has been, been not
2: only engagement, which this this does address, but also monetization. Like, yeah. what's what's B Reel's long term plan? Is it mm. to sell you more opportunities to take photos? Oh, get, a, how third, get a third. Get a third B Reel mm. a day
4: for X amount. Or, mm. Does this mean also they're gonna have to shift the time? to earlier so that you've got time to use those additional b-reels so yeah
2: because sometimes they will they'll come for close together
4: yeah yeah
3: yeah, yeah i true. i i I really love the concept i feel like it just needs some some kind of special juice and maybe this is it to yeah. get them going rich well,
2: you're, you're pretty good with the b-reels <laughs> you're, you're still into it do you even need this
3: uh yes because there's definitely I, I
1: mean i don't need it my household needs it because there's definitely been times where it'd be like oh man we got kids t-ball game that's gonna be so fun i hope that be real or like we're going to hamilton tonight like would love to have that B real right now and it's like oh it's me sitting at my laptop with the spreadsheet open again so it's like it, it just gets away from a little bit of the the on we of it all and it i also think it would make the feed a little bit more scrollable because what i do like with B real is it's like a very in and out uh, a transaction, right? You, you're like, all right, I can just scroll through in like two minutes. I see what everybody's doing. I don't follow that many people because I only want to follow people that I actually know yeah, in yeah. real life. Uh, and like just a little bit more scrollability. I don't want to be like, I, I don't want the the mechanics of like, I have to be going back in there. But I do like that. It just gives you like that little bit like, okay, I can see, oh, walking the dog. Hey, that's heartwarming. But also, oh, you went to a cool concert tonight. I am I am really glad you did that.
3: Yeah. And, yeah. and
2: adding the stuff makes it more complicated and takes away from that
3: aspect of it. though. Yeah. I, it, I like Rich's lifestyle bad. of soccer and then go straight to the Hamilton concert yeah. or the Hamilton. That's my show. life
1: every night. Scott. Come on. You know, yeah. you know. I, I, will, I will say, though, I think uh, B-Real might be feeling the need to juice their numbers. They came out today and they announced they had two million daily active users. I mean, to me, that sounds great, but this comes – The Verge was saying that back in October, their sources were saying that was basically their daily active user's back then. So oh, we have so been no covering growth, no. a ton of explosive growth for them, but they might be leveling out and looking for ways to get, you know, Scott and Ibit to uh you know, remember yeah, that they have the app on to re be real.
2: For for for, for to actually uh have to log back in again. Mm-hmm. Which, which he had to do which uh, I had uh, to do yeah. today. In some ways it is I,
3: literally they're asking you to do be real on be Real. Yeah. Right? I could definitely be like real. <laughs> yeah could... no we get it. You guys get it? Okay. <laughs>
1: I could definitely see sure. them taking like a Snapchat plus kind of approach to this where they don't necessarily tie it directly to bonus B-reels or whatever they're going to call it. But it's like, oh, you get this and maybe you can do like a live photo where there's a video element uh, to this or, or you get experimental features. Like I've been thinking a lot about how they monetize mark and not photos make to it.
2: stick around longer and other paying subscribers can see them
1: okay. or like animated reactions. I bet a ton of people would like that, mm, you know, so maybe like, they can.
4: Love- let us add uh, ears, cat ears, and whiskers to our laptops that we're staring at in our
3: B-Reels.
2: <laughs> they better not Just, add, add AI, because apparently the Snapchat users are rebelling against yeah. that. Oh, AI, are they? Like, yeah. You
3: don't want to mess with them.
2: Uh, well, folks, if you have a thought about B-Reel or anything else, give us an email. You know our email address. Oh, you don't? Well, it's feedback at com.
0: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Visit stripe.com slash tab iPhone.
1: All right, well, AARP or the American Association of Retired People, as I like to prefer to call it, issued a study on gamers older than 50 years old. A study estimated that forty-five percent of people in the US older than fifty play video games at least once a month. That's fifty-two point four million people which is, I think, a lot. There's also a bigger number than it was in 2019, and that 2019 figure was bigger than 2016. So we're seeing growing numbers of people over 50 playing them darn video games. The amount of time people older than 50 play games has risen from 8.5 hours per month in 2019 to 12 hours per month in 2022, so almost a 50% jump, definitely significant. Sure, if we dig into the figures, 73% are puzzle and logic games, while 12% are playing Shooters. So that's probably more than I would have thought, but they spent an average of $49 on games in the first six months of 2022, which amounts to $2.6 billion. That is down though from $64 spent in 2019. So more people playing games, but maybe spending less to, to do this story justice. We've gathered together three people who have played games and who are from, from everything that I'm hearing older than 50 for today's show. We are, as you might expect, in the city of las vegas uh gentlemen i'd like to get your perspectives on
3: this study what what What? (laughs) i didn't hear any of that Uh, thank
2: you rich um yeah so uh scott that big jump in gaming that that happened around the time you turned 50
3: no uh what's what's weird about this it's easy for me to just see it from my perspective and i realize there's more to the aarp landscape to consider here in terms of who they're asking and who's actually going to respond i have a feeling a lot of hardcore over 50 gamers are probably not bothering with that that survey i could be wrong but it just seems like something they wouldn't be interested in well
2: well, i mean i would guess that they went did a random sample survey. probably they probably didn't just survey aarp members yeah entirely possible
3: entirely possible um in my case i've been playing video games since i was six or seven and it's never really stopped and it's every day and it's too much maybe sometimes but but my gaming habits are probably not. They are on the upper uh, end of the of the of the far out idea. Like that's nowhere close to the median there. Um, I'm I'm more curious. Like Brian, as someone who, when you and I talk, it's often about, hey, I found this rad new uh, solitaire ish game mm-hmm. on on iOS or something. Hey, yeah. you should play it or whatever. So we, you and I aren't like shooters and strategy games and big RPGs and AAA games. Conversation we talk no. about the smaller stuff sometimes. So maybe there's something to this. You know I, th- I think for so, you.
4: yeah, for sure, for me, because when I was forty, guess what I played about seventy three percent puzzle and uh <laughs> logic games and about twelve percent shooters, so um, I don't think my taste in games have changed at all uh over the years at all. I always tended to like puzzle games and and quick pick up and put down kind of games and and I'd save the uh first person shooters and the adventure games like that for when I had more time and And that sort of thing, I I'd really be curious as to what they consider an over fifty style game to be. Yeah.
2: Well, Um, they they weren't. They just said you're over fifty. Do you play games? What kind of games do you play? Let
4: me rephrase that. What they think, what they're, what they think a targeted, uh, um, you know, what they think would attract somebody over fifty. Because
3: a a big part of this was them saying. these these over fifty gamers don't feel like they're being targeted very well. They don't feel like they're being talked to or advertised yeah. properly, or the games aren't necessarily being made for them anymore. Was some of the yeah? I conceit. think the survey
2: was meant to be like, all right, let's let's see how many people in this g- cohort game. Right. What kind of games do they play? Right. And this right. release was saying, hey folks, uh, you may not think of people who are older as playing games, but the number of people who are older who are playing games is getting bigger as people who grew up with games get older. Mm-hmm. So when it says only 12% do shooters, what I would be interested in and I didn't get a close enough look at the survey to tell is if you slice it a little closer is it, you know, when you look at 50 to 55, is mm-hmm. it more like 50 or 60% mm-hmm. that play oh, shooters, oh, right? What you're saying. Because yeah. the people who didn't grow up playing shooters who are 70, 80 plus, they're less likely to be playing them because right. they never did. Right. Right?
3: Yeah. right. I The other thing I think is important to note here is I think this sort of stuff is going to run out of runway pretty quick. And the reason I say that is when you say, 50 and older you're often talking about 80s and 90s kids mm. who were the first big generations to have this cultural phenomenon in their lives in such a major way we were the ones going to software etc and waiting for the launch of the playstation yeah, one yeah, and we mm-hmm. were the ones waiting for all of that and we're the ones that are really into ecosystems like steam and xbox and playstation and everything else i feel like i feel like that 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 this, this kind of questioning 10 years from now is going to be pointless because the 40-year-olds are playing even more than we did. Well,
2: yeah, it's going to be about who's playing the brain implant game. Yeah, right, right. 50, right. You it's know, entirely possible. Whatever it is. But uh, it,
3: but it is interesting because as a kid, you you could never imagine your, your aunt or your uncle, somebody in their 50s, 60s, even touching a video game. Mm-hmm. You had your outliers. Like my grandma was 89 and playing arcade games. She loved it. But that's rare. And that's that's doesn't seem like an impossible idea that the old the olds don't like video games. They don't understand it or it's technology or whatever. But I feel like that's we're past it now. So
2: Uh, let's turn to someone who has much less joint pain than us. Rich, uh, what are we missing here?
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, just just thinking about this, I I don't know if 50 can be an intimidating number to some people, but I was like, that's not, you know, 1973, right? Like that is, that is, you were growing up, like you, like you guys were saying in the golden age of, uh, of of like that, that first, second gen of video games, you know, Atari, Nintendo, like that kind of stuff. When you were like in prime kid years, right? Like not even, not even, you know, with disposable income or something like that. So really as what this says to me is like, this is the start of video games being culture, just in general, and, and Scott, perfectly to your point, like this, at, at this story, this study becomes meaningless in 10 years when. Like everyone either grew up around it, we're going to see all of our mass media turning to video games in in that way. The one thing I am curious though about is that fall in spending. Like I mean, you know, that's like not like we're, we're seeing this huge uptick in like time playing, people playing, and then spending less. Is that just wider net?
2: Gen oh, I mean, X is just smarter. Yeah, that's
3: <laughs> all it is. I think I actually have a theory about that. I okay, think the theory is, or the, if my, I'm right about my theory, is that there there are so many more free to play games that actually lead into their results about puzzle and. You know, thinking logic, games. Yeah. There's tons of those logic games on free platforms now. And so they're spending less. There's also lots of indies that match what those those categories are. And those are fifteen bucks. Those are 1799. Yeah, yeah. mm-hmm. I think that the the market changes in the depth of available content that's sub sixty nine dollars has expanded exponentially, even in the last five years. So I, if I had to guess, that is the reasoning for that lower price. And, and
2: I would add to that: I think people are also getting a little smarter with freemium right. as we learn mm-hmm. the tricks mm-hmm. to avoid, like paying a million dollars for donuts or whatever. We're better yeah.
3: at knowing which ones are, you know, it, it, whether Marvel Snap is a good example yeah, or not. Right. We yeah. know that because we're all kind of communicating We've about it because we're know. internet savvy. Yeah. Also, we but the, all of those things rose together, and I, I don't know. Next, I would, ten I years would, from now, this thing means nothing to nobody.
1: I I would say this also could significantly be underreported because I'm sure if I – Ask my mom or I ask my grandma, uh, you know, do you guys play video games? No, but I guarantee you they have 20 game apps solitaire. on their iPad. Yeah, and they play yeah. solitaire and mm-hmm. mahjong yeah. or like one of those fine. Again, games. I, I didn't
2: look close enough at the survey design to tell. Usually they account for stuff like that. They try to phrase questions in a way that, that tease that stuff out. Uh, uh, totally unscientifically, who in our audience is willing to admit they are over 50 and plays video games? I'm curious. Yeah. Show hands. That's a good amount of hands out there. Yeah. Put your hands up, too. There's you also you some play, liar.
1: Yeah. You play Sudoku, you do. <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, let's check out the mailbag.
1: Yeah, we got a great email in from Tim, the DBA. He's administering databases all day. thanked us for the realistic view on the challenge of changing password managers and shared his story. He said when the last, uh, last pass breach happened, he decided to switch to Bitwarden. Not uh, uncommon response. He says, it wasn't the easiest migration, but we got it working. Now, here is where I might have been able to show you up about how easy it was to switch. I went to cancel my LastPass account and delete my vault from their servers. And whoops, sometime in the past, I accidentally set up two automatic annual payments. I paid up through 2025. Being too frugal was (laughs) for to waste on a paid service. I'm still on LastPass But he says, thanks for your continued great coverage about AI, Tim. Thank you so much.
2: Uh, yeah, thank you, Tim. Uh, that makes me feel a little better that a database administrator also has has run into these these kind of problems. Thank you, Tim, for for sharing that story with us, and thank you, uh, Scott Johnson, uh, for uh, coming all the way to Las Vegas just to be on. That's all it was. That. Yeah, oh, that's
3: that the whole reason. Yeah, no, I'm normally here on Wednesdays, and Wednesdays, you know, are my favorite. But I uh, I think maybe Monday is pretty good this week. Here's here's what I would like to tell people tomorrow here at this event but also internationally, because the internet is a thing, I'll finally, finally be launching this Kickstarter for the card game I made.
2: Oh, fantastic. Over at
3: DungeonMurder.com. It took Kickstarter forever for the approval process. Don't know why. Maybe there's a lot being submitted right now, but the bottom line is uh, tomorrow sometime I'm working on the exact time, but as soon as that drops, uh, I will blast that out, let everybody know if you are interested in that at all, uh, please head over to DungeonMurder.com for the details. You can also follow me on Twitter at Scott Johnson and uh, check out our live streams tomorrow. If you're around because you'll hear a lot more about it and we'll be playing the game here in Vegas. So I'm very excited about it. Uh, and, very happy to be able to tell your your listeners today.
2: Fantastic. Brian Ibbitt, what do you got going on?
4: Uh, well, here in uh, Vegas with a bunch of uh, game show content that I'm producing, but back at it uh, when I get back to town at the end of this week for more Coverville, more uh, The Morning Stream, Film Sack, Soundography, all the stuff that I produce on a uh, and co-host on a regular basis.
3: Yeah, make sure to check out our morning show because it's been going since 2011. We're at like That's almost 3,000 episodes. Yeah. And it's a great time because morning zoo shows are terrible. Mm-hmm. So we started one that is not terrible. Yeah,
2: free range morning.
3: We're free, free range. No, no phony
4: phone calls. No man in the box. Grass fed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: So check it out.
1: All right. Well, also, thanks. We have a triumvirate of new bosses today to thank over the weekend. We've got Jerry, we've got John, and we've got Steve. Makes our Monday special. Jerry, John, Steve. Jerry, John
2: and Steve got a live audience applause. Well done, Jerry, John.
1: Wait, Tom, it's always a live audience. Don't ruin the magic of podcasting. Anyway, thank (laughs) you, Jerry. I mean, a different
2: live audience than normal. Thank
1: (laughs) Thank you, Jerry. Thank you, John. And thank you, Steve.
2: Thank you all. You are now patrons, and as a patron, you get Good Day Internet, the extended show. Stick around, because we're going to talk about what is going on with Twitter Blue. Why are people who haven't paid, or in some cases even still with us, getting check marks? We don't know either, and maybe we shouldn't care. But we're going to talk about all of that on Good Day Internet. Stick around.
1: Remember, you can catch us live on Monday through Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern, twenty hundred UTC. Find out more at dailytechnewsshow.com slash live. We will be back tomorrow. See you then.
3: This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com.